Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Buddy, it's Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us. It's time for another LBP, baby. That's where we believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you. Those around me is my captain, my co-host, a man who has two roast racing motor- motorcycles worth 1500 bucks. This is true. And a cat worth 2000 Your comment, sir? Uh... No comment. If you guys stick around to the end of the episode, Ian's going to share with you a hot new navigational tool to get around the north of America, and I will share with you some ridiculous new music that I am listening to. Uh, First off, I want to give a big shout out to Justin and Joe from the AdSense Flippers for joining us today on the podcast. We're going to just try to jump into that interview as quick as possible. We had so much fun on the phone with them. But one point, Justin wrote me an email uh, this past week about something that was irritating him about our content. And I just wanted to say, you know, I appreciate it so much um, when people give you that kind of critical feedback. And I, you know, really thanked him because I'm sure if Justin's irritated by some stuff, there's probably a bunch of other people out there that are irritated too. And I just want to say, you know, I think Ian and I really appreciate constructive feedback. And we don't, we can't always incorporate everything, but we often do. And it does have a big impact because to me, the lesson here, Ian, is cultivating those blind spots. Yeah. We always ask for uh, creative feedback, not on the iTunes page, but in email. Um, and I think uh, I think Justin's uh, feedback was really good. And this isn't something that uh, we're necessarily doing on purpose per se. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell, but, um, yes, it's, it was brought to our attention. So here's what we'll do. We'll stop doing it and then we'll see if any listener can guess what it was. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of shouts, George Fry gave us a review. He said, these two guys give such quality content for free that I almost feel guilty listening to it. Sorry about inspiring all that guilt, George. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, Breaking the Force said, these guys rock and their energy is amazing. And Finch says, probably one of the most actionable podcasts on entrepreneurship. Thanks, Finch. Thanks, everybody, for leaving those five-star reviews on our iTunes page. That helps our podcast get a little bit more visibility in those iTunes search results, I think. Nobody knows. That stuff is so mysterious. Ian, we had a great time talking to Joe and Justin. Let's get right into it. All right, it's Joe and Justin, and a lot of us are listeners to the new AdSense Flippers podcast. So I'm curious, before we get started here with our partnership discussion, if you guys could let us know you know, what you thought having a podcast was going to be like versus the reality of it and how it's changed your blog. Well, before we started AdSense Flippers podcast, you know, I didn't actually listen to a lot of different podcasts. I wasn't a big podcast guy. And to be honest with you, you know, like the radio thing. And I was like, ah, you know, that's not really us. We're safer with blog posts. Um, but we started doing a few and we started getting some feedback on people like, you know, driving in their car and almost having to pull off the road to take notes. And we're like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's insane. That's so cool. And it got us this kind of like high, I guess, on doing it. That that has been really interesting. Yeah. And I would also say that 
is podcast, at least for me as a format, is much easier than blog posting. Uh, I feel like it flows a lot easier. It's easier to have a back and forth with Justin. And, you know, the ideas seem to flow more often where I feel like a, po- uh, a blog post, you really need to sit down, you need to research it, you need to write it out. I mean, I could spend the whole day writing one blog post. I can imagine, you know, if I would not have met you guys coming to your blog as just reading posts about niche sites and AdSense versus listening to your show, which is excellent. And I mean, it's just such a different experience to like relate to you guys as entrepreneurs and as cool people and stuff like that. So to me, it's super powerful. Like my emotional attachment, I feel like I would get to know you guys and I feel like I would take action on the kinds of things that you're bringing up. I mean, we already have taken action on a lot of the advice you've given. So anyway, I just want to thank you guys for doing the podcast. It's amazing. Uh, We're enjoying it a lot and getting a lot of value out of it. Uh, Speaking of amazing stuff, you guys are pulling an intern into DeVal. Um, you've copied the Tropical MBA model over at Tropical Workforce and brought in an intern. It's amazing. Um, any initial thoughts on that? I know he hasn't arrived yet, but you know. Yeah, first of all, what's, our, like uh, what's our licensing fee on that? Well, <laughs> here's my concern: is like I feel like our supply side on like really sharp people is high. Um, you know, I have like 27. Uh, unpaid internship applications right now I have to review today. And we've got so many people that want to do this kind of thing and not enough guys like you willing to offer it. And so what was the key thing that put you over the edge on that? Well, we, we, we feel your pain now. We had 17 applications and we narrowed it down. I think we did like seven or eight interviews and we had three guys at the top that we really wanted to pick. We had to choose one. I felt bad because I know either of the other two would have done a fantastic job. So I'm now we're now in your boat where we're like, oh my God, can we get more people doing this <laughs> so we can give you know jobs and opportunities to these really sharp, cool people that we wish we had that, that spot to hire. So we're uh, we're feeling your pain there right now. So Justin, what was the tipping point for you guys? Was it when you came out to see us that you saw that it worked? I mean, how do we convince other people to run kind of internships like this? Absolutely, it was when we came out to see you guys in Port Glare because before that. Justin was a, uh, he thought it was a good idea, but I really thought that what kind of schmuck, I really used that word, sorry, (laughs) would move halfway across the world for like $800 a month. You know, it just didn't make any sense to me. And I thought you were going to get some weird internet person that like never comes out of his mom's basement and really doesn't know much about the world. And then we went to Porta Galera and, you know, I met John, who was a new tropical MBA. I met David. Uh, who, you know, had been a Tropical MBA in the past. And I was just so impressed with those guys. And I really felt like back when I was in college and you had these smart people to work around and to collaborate with and to build projects on, and it totally clicked for me. Okay, I have a staff of people that I can hand a list of tasks to that can handle A through Z as long as I lay it out. But I don't have anyone I can hand a project to. Right. And that's what was holding us back. And that's what I think the internship for us is going to be able to really help us out with our business. Plus, also, guys, the, the, the other thing is you're, you're changing the lives of these people that you bring out. I mean, you're not making a, a big difference for a ton of people, but over time, you've brought some individuals out here and completely changed their mindset on business, on career, and they're now able to pass that on, bring other people into you know those types of opportunities, and be evangelists for your brand, which is just amazing. 
it's such a cool scene to see how this all rolls up, you know, now that, you know, you and David are friends and hanging out and, you know, David just buzzed off to Thailand and I think spent the last four weeks, you know, David and I hang out in the same house, but he's off building a link network and I'm writing blog posts and, you know, he doesn't need any direction. I mean, the guy is smarter than I am. So it's, it's a really cool situation to find yourself in and to be able to do that at such the early stages of a business. And, uh, yeah, it's just fun. It's, it's too much fun. That's the other thing. I don't think people realize how much fun it is. People are often worried like, oh, am I going to tell, spend all this time doing delegation or, you know, will it be too burdensome to bring somebody into my life and to risk, you know, my privacy or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. and I had all those worries too. But once I started doing it, I was like, wait a second, this is awesome. Like we're having a lot of fun here. And, uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it works out for you guys. Cause I'm, my hope is that if it works well uh, for you guys, a lot of people that look up to you will say, well, you know, um, we're going we're gonna to give it a go then too. So speaking of collaboration cool. and, uh, and good feelings and uh, taking big risks, let's talk today about, in the meat and potatoes, the building blocks to a successful partnership. And today, uh, specifically, for the most part, we're going to focus on 50-50 partnerships because that's what we're that's both what we have experience in. And we've seen a lot fail, seen a lot fall by the wayside. And here we are still standing uh, by the hair of our chinny chin chin. So uh, <laughs> let me just kick it off with this concept of treating it like a marriage. And this is some, this, I, I often joke that I can't afford to have a wife because then I'd be a minority partner. I'd only have 25% because I'm already married <laughs> to Ian. And, uh, <laughs> And I, f- I really do feel like we treat each other uh, as a marriage. And maybe what, before I would have gotten started, I would have been like, it's all business, man. You like cut that deal and it's 50-50 between the two of you. And, you know, like that's just the contract or whatever. And what I found out is that like there's a lot more emotional elements involved and we really have to treat each other like partners in life as opposed to just two people who've sort of come across a contract a few years ago. Your yeah, thoughts. I think that's the point. <laughs> um, you know, the one thing is, I think we should put the caveat in is none of the four of us are married. So comparing it to a marriage <laughs> maybe a little bit difficult. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but the concept is definitely there. And I think, yeah, the emotional element to it, it's, it's important that uh, you're in tune with that with your partner and that you understand when they're not feeling good about something, a uh, decision that you maybe you made or your actions or something like that, and you're able to talk about it with them um, and not just make it all about business. It's, it shouldn't be, you know, a it's not a game. There's no winners and losers. It's truly a partnership in that you're both trying to win the game together. Uh, Plus, and- there's, there's also the makeup sex, which is always good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys a question. Uh, we have this idea about partnerships that you should have similar financial goals and, and almost similar lifestyle goals. Do you think it can work out between two people that have radically different bank accounts or radically different asset levels? How have you seen that work when it comes to these sort of 50-50 style, let's go at it together kind of deals? Well... I think I'll handle that one. I think, you know, when you say radically different, I mean, I think you wouldn't want to get into bed with a partner that was a millionaire and you only had $10,000 in the bank. But I think it could work, you know, if your partner had a a bit more than you uh, in the bank and maybe had successful deals before, um, but you don't, I I think that's okay. But where it's 
more important is definitely the goals, especially lifestyle goals and money goals. Uh, because if that's not in tune, it's absolutely not going to work. Yeah, your roadmap for the partnership will be completely different if you have different goals or different levels on what you consider successful. You know, you may be way more aggressive than your partner because you have a shorter time frame where you need it to work out, whereas he's in it for the long haul and, and incremental, uh, you know, in- increases. So that can really change your path to how you get to where you need to be and ultimately where, where needs, you need to be is, right? Yeah, I think that's true. And uh, Dan and I have very similar lifestyles and you too obviously have very similar lifestyles too. You live in the same house. Um, and I think I think you're exactly right to say, um, you know, time span. You, you kind of got to have the same idea about how long things take and what you want to amass in that amount of time. If I want to go out and buy a house, I'm going to have very different kind of objectives in terms of what my bank account needs to look like um, versus Dan. And so I think it's good to stay on the same page with those things. And Constantly having those conversations uh, in in your partnership. And- I, I wonder this. It, I wonder this. If if that if your goals and where you see yourself is slightly different when you get into the partnership, especially if it's a pretty close partnership, then I think maybe those goals realign a bit. So they don't have to be the exact same starting off. I think that'd be a really hard requirement to get into a partnership. But you have to be willing to adjust. You know, just like a marriage, you have to be willing to adjust your goals and what you expect out of it. Uh, to match the other person and come up with kind of a you, you know uh, combined uh, goal set for the business. So one approach we've taken, and this is our third building block to a successful marriage model partnership, is Ian and I have created an exclusivity deal. And basically, when we combined uh, all of our businesses, it was probably in January 2010, like we sort of had a reorganization. We bought out a partner and we basically took all of our assets that were on the side and dumped them in the middle and said, this is all 50-50 now. And everything else that we do going forward um, is going to be so as well until we create an exception or change the deal. And I'll tell you, there was something specific that um, encouraged this. And I was basically starting all these like little blogs on the side and that created a tension because it was like every time I was spending any kind of energy um, built, building out like those kinds of web properties, it was like, well, you're not spending your energy on the core business then. And that became a real issue for us as we were trying to get more aggressive about growing things. And one of the things I like about the exclusivity deal is it really allows your partner to participate in your like exploratory dalliances, right? So like if if I want to like run off and like spend a whole weekend building an offshore blog about offshore business and I'm really excited about that, I know while I'm doing it that Ian automatically owns 50 cents on the penny of it. And I don't know, something about that is comforting to me and so far it's worked well for us. And you also know that there's diversification coming up, and I think we're going to talk about that down the line here, but we're, we're diversifying uh, in a way. And so a little story about uh, myself, when I first moved to California, I did the same thing actually with my good buddy, is uh, we were both we both worked the same job, so we were both valets, and then we also both worked at the same restaurant. And we would just switch off shifts, so it's like one of us would show up to the job, you know, depending on who felt like valeting and who felt like... Um, uh, working at the restaurant, but it worked out really well um, because we had some freedom and flexibility. And then we also uh, were able to kind of pull our money together and kind of work towards a common goal. What do you guys think yeah, about this just- exclusivity uh, arrangement? 
Justin and I are pretty tied together, but we don't have an exclusivity arrangement. And I have to say uh, that, you know, if, if Justin did go off and work on something on his own, I would be a little hurt, but I've tried to get over that and say, you know, he probably needs that freedom. But I understand where you're coming from, Dan and Ian. You know, I, I, it would definitely grind my gears a little bit. But what I've allowed Justin to do is given him um, a budget to work within the AdSense Flippers and TriBPO uh, corporations on his own projects that may or may not be, succeed. So, yeah, so we, we had a, actually, you know, we talk all the time about how we had a little fight or whatever about what we should do with ads and flippers. Should we sell sites or should we just, you know, dump more of our own money into the business? And it was bigger than a small fight. I mean, it was at the point where I was so, you know, adamant about doing it that I told Joe, I don't care if you don't want to do it. That's fine. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to build a bunch of sites. I'm going to build a team on the side, and I'm going to work on that. This and, is and, um, and, and, this is it when was a problem. Uh, this is when you guys came to Bali and you were sleeping in separate beds. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is before. This is this is probably in March that we had this issue, and so this is when we we're hammering this out. And you know, obviously, Joe uh, was a little frustrated with that, more than a little probably. But he, you know, for a couple of reasons. One, he said, "Wow, if if it works out, I'm going to feel like a dumbass for not, you know, not investing in myself and getting involved." And the other thing is that, like, well, he's going to be, he might end up spending just on my uh, end up spending too much time on the side stuff and not be focused on our business. And so, you know, that we ultimately worked that out, but we never did work out the exclusivity thing, which right now we're so busy. I couldn't spend any, you know, waking moment on side projects. So that that wasn't an issue, but that may come up again unless we do uh, resolve that. You know, there's, there's, I I think, go ahead, Joe, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I think how we resolved it, it's important that this point be be, be, uh, driven home is that, Justin's working on something called Niches for Charity right now, which you know I'm not doing any work on. And, and it, yes, it's a brand-building idea, and it's a great idea by Justin. But basically, we've set aside some money, some money from the company, that he can go ahead and work on that project. So I've given him the freedom to go ahead and work on his own ideas, like I said, that, that may or may not be revenue-generating, but we're, or at least within the corporate umbrella. Right. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, for me. I really like the emotional padding on, that it, that it allows us. So, like on the other side, um, it's kind of like we're like partners in crime. Even if you know, so like Ian ran off maybe a couple months ago and made this ridiculous car website that we've been arguing about for months. But he just had to do. It. He couldn't help himself. He must have had a beer or something. He's like, screw this guy. I'm going to do the WordPress install. And he put it on the wrong <laughs> server and all this stuff. And and I just like I woke up in the morning. I was like a big eye roll, you know. But the cool, th- really cool thing about that is like Ian's super passionate about this car idea. Like he wants to do it. He wants to get off the ground. And I know that we're in that together regardless. So like I, I have a 50% stake in that site and that's my, you know, that's my baby too. Like that ridiculous car site is now part of what we're doing because, you know, he's insistent upon that. So it's kind of cool that I woke up that morning and even though I was a bit frustrated, I knew that we were in it together. Regardless, well, it lets you it, it lets you chase after like riskier stuff. I mean, if you're only doing what both of you agree on is kind of a safe move for your business, your your partnerships become becomes you know homogenized, right? So right. it's good to be able to go after the risky, passionate stuff. And if it fails, you you come back to your partner and you're like, oh, well, it didn't work out. He's like, oh, it's fine. We'll we'll find another one. And you have to have that you know uh, emotional agreement where, yeah, it's cool, no big deal. Let's talk about the fourth building block. Uh, that is imagining yourself operating the business at day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis at hypothetical success points. So I know my bullet points are awfully complicated, but when, uh, 
when I was talking about my our, originally Ian and I had a, uh, a partnership that didn't work out and the feedback I got from a very successful entrepreneur was, well, the problem that you guys had is that you never planned for success. You never imagined what it would be like to have the kind of business you were trying to build. And he was dead on because I remember the fantasy that the three of us had in our minds. We thought that Petco was going to give us a million dollar check and that we were all going to be awashed with cash. I mean, I literally, that was it was in my mind. I was like, we are going to make a big sale and we're all going to have a bunch of money. <laughs> Who's it laughing was, over there? I wish was, somebody laughed at me earlier. It was, it, was uh, a, it was adorable of us. I mean, we actually thought that that's how a business would run. Like, you know, and I think the strategy that I would advocate is a, a simple one, which is, Imagine what that operation would look like once that million dollar check comes in. Like, well, how many employees do you have? Like, what role are all the partners playing? Um, is there a potential for resentment in, in that situation? And of course, we should have seen it. But, you know, th- in, uh, in the way that we had set up our organization to have, at the time, we had a 30% silent partner. Um, there was just too much resentment on all fronts built in, and there was no way that that kind of partnership could succeed. Well, here's, here's an interesting point uh, that Joe and I have had in, in multiple business ventures that we've had where um, we get the business going, we get it up and running, and we find some success. And then in the past, it seems to be a recurring theme. We don't capitalize well on that success. And that's been a problem for us. We, we were just talking about this the other day, actually. And uh, we're really hoping we can uh, you know break the cycle there with what we're doing now. Um, but that has been a recurring theme that's been a really negative one for us in the past. Right, Joe? Yeah, I would say taking the success to another level more than just capitalizing on it. Like, yeah. you know, Flippers is going to have a huge month in, in January. I can't wait for the, the income report to come out. But <laughs> I want to know how to take that and make that an every month occurrence and then double that. You know, that's what I think in our past we haven't been successful at. Right. But the good thing is, is that Justin and I, you know, we have a history together of failed businesses and successes working together. So I think that made it a little bit easier for AdSense flippers um, because we knew that uh, there was going to be a lot of groundwork there, employees, costs, yeah, someone's not going to hand you a million dollars, you know, that kind of thing. Because we, we had that, like, that tri- trials and tribulations before. Is there any point when you guys get nervous about publishing those income reports? Have you thought about like that? Like, let's say, you know, 24 months from now, you guys have like a half a million dollar a month. Are you thinking twice about putting that up on the blog? We've, we've seen people shut down. Like Spencer from Niche Pursuits used to do income reports, and he's really backed off. Uh, his first step was he stopped. Um, he didn't include uh, income from Longtail Pro, which is oh his keyword research I'm tool. Sure that's blowing up right now. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely killed it. Uh, we, we, we were trying to hammer him for numbers, and he wouldn't give it to us. Um, but he did give us some ideas, and it's it's off the hook. Um, but then he stopped. he stopped doing income reports overall and just focused on a couple of niche sites that he created in one month. So I'm not sure why he backed off the overall income report, but I I see where that could cause issues. Like for for one, you don't know for, no one knows for sure that it's real. I mean, we put up some data and stuff, but that just could all be faked and Photoshopped or whatever. So it's kind of irritating to know that it could be fake. I, I think when you look at people that do income reports, that's interesting and it may be motivating, but then you have to look at like what they're putting out and see if it's legit. I mean, are, are they are they are they putting the secrets on how they made their money behind a paywall, right. or are they putting it out there, right? So they're putting it behind a paywall automatically. You know, the it, it kicks in for me that oh, okay, that's cool. They're showing us all this money they're making and the secrets I have to pay for. Well, that's 
Are you worried crap. about representing extreme wealth while living in the Philippines? No, yeah, you know, I'm, I was going to uh, say. I mean, we could just show up and all of a sudden it could be the Dan and Ian uh, AdSense flippers, right? <laughs> These guys, I don't know where they went. It's a mystery. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's right. There's, there's all kinds of worries. There's the IRS. There's, um, you know, your employees that only make a buck fifty an hour seeing that you made all this money. Yes, there's all these worries, but the one thing that we have going for us is that we're running a business, guys. This is not something easy to do. Right. You know, we try to make it easy. I try to say, hey, you can you can build the site yourself. We give away the process for free. But in all honesty, it takes a lot of management. It takes a lot of time. I, I work eight, ten hours a day. You know, I work six days a week. Justin puts in more hours than I do. So, yeah, if you want to come, you want to replicate the situation, more power to you. I'll show you exactly how to do it. But you need to have some dedication there. Right. So, uh, Let's uh, let's let's yeah. jump off on that point that you made just there, Joe, which is um, Justin works more hours than you, and I think one of our points here is that you need to let certain uh, ships sail. Uh, so I think certain things come up in relationships like that, uh, where you see Justin working more hours than you, and you think, well, how is this fair? We're getting the same amount of pay here. Uh, we're getting the same amount of compensation, but he's working more hours. And so I think what you've got to do, and you guys can give me examples in your business, but you've got to let certain things go. Like, for example, like I'm, I'm very much uh, tighter with our financials uh, and our spending, and uh, Dan is a little bit more liberal. But there's only so <laughs> many times yeah exactly there's only so many times that you can tell the guy hey man you can't do that you know we, we got to keep it tight or we got to keep it on this path and and uh dan's gonna do what dan wants to do and I, you know there's plenty of situations where i do the same thing like put up a stupid car site and so you kind of you kind of got to let those ships sail um do you guys experience that yeah Joe, Tell me a little bit about uh, right before we went to Puerto Galera to meet up with uh with you guys you didn't know this before but we talked about it briefly before the uh the episode here yeah, and one of the things that Justin and I were fighting about, I mean, we were having a deep argument about before we came to Port Glare and met you guys for the first time, um, was the division of labor, uh, especially when it came to ads and slippers, because before we got there, Justin was putting in a lot more time than I was, and it wasn't fair. But I think what you're trying to say, Ian, is important, is that there's an ebb and flow in any relationship, whether it be a marriage or whether it be a business partnership, where sometimes one person's going to do more work than the other. And you, as long as it's within the realm of reason, you have to be able to be understanding and you know, forgiveful about it. Not to be like Christian or religious about it, but you need to be a little bit more open-minded about how the ebb and flow of, of work can go. And that's come the other rotation now where I'm doing a lot more work, at least on the day-to-day -day stuff, than Justin is. Justin's focusing more on the high-level thinking kind of stuff. Thinking. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a, I'm doing a lot of thinking. It, it's it's kind of true. I'm doing a lot of I'm doing a lot of input and not a lot of output. So if you compare output right now, he's blowing me out of the water, and that's probably been the case for about a month and a half. And Joe actually asked me, he's like, "Are we are we playing that game? Because there's a game you have in a partnership where, like, if you're both on a 50-50 partnership and you're both paid equally out of the business, you both have you know, then if, if you're if you're fighting or there's some conflict, it gets down to a game of who can do less and get paid the same. Right. And that's a really dangerous game for your business. We've done that when we were in a three-way partnership uh, before, and it just turned it went to crap, honestly. So he's asking me, he said, "Are you playing that game that who can do less <laughs> and still get paid the same?" I was like, "No, dude. Honestly, I'm just kind of." I'm just in a funk, honestly. You know, I'm just not putting out. I'm, I'm, in, I'm taking in more right now. I'm sure that I'll switch. 
And so he's been understanding that because of our previous times. And now I'm stuck going, yeah, well, okay, Joe, you're right, dude. Yeah, you're right. Which um, Which is a little bit off the point here, but it's actually a huge advantage that we see too, which is that um, we don't have to be 100% at the same time. Um, And we can still kind of reach our goal, maybe a little bit slower if I'm only at 75% and Dan's at 25%, you know, or whatnot, or the opposite way. But you're still making progress. I mean, if both of you aren't at 100%, you can still get to where you want to be. It might just take a little bit longer. Whereas if you're a solopreneur and you're not doing anything for a whole week, your whole business is stopped. Well, Ian and I I have like a... Uh, we've stumbled onto a little baked-in thing in our in our partnership, and I'm not wor- sure if it would work for everybody, but it's really changed the nature of our business quite a bit. So this would be our next point, which is we only overlap our workflow at a few critical points, like the very few most important critical points, and there's very little overlap outside of that. And that really helps us with this idea of like letting ships sail. I actually can think back, to Ian, to those uh, brutal early months in 2009 when we were kind of like down each other's necks quite a bit. And when we're like working on the same stuff, there was a lot more conflict in our business. And I think... You know, when you really like mastermind on like each little thing in our business, like we were doing like product development schedules and Ian and I have different philosophies about product development. Like I'll, I'll, I'll ship anything, like just put it in a container and get it over here and let's get on the phones. And (laughs) Ian's more of a designer and he's like, well, I really think we need to, you know, review a second prototype and I'll be like air freight the prototype in while that stuff's on the water kind of thing. And it's just a different philosophy. And we used to constantly conflict over that. And it's one of these things. Well, how do you let that ship sail? And the way it's, that- it's so it, it's so inefficient too. If you're both working on things that are the same, you find out you're tripping over each other. Not just the conflict, but like you know that the the workload is not you know you're, you're, you're you end up working on the same things at the same time, and you're terribly inefficient. That's it. And yeah. we stumbled on this, and we absolutely just do different stuff. And we talk about uh, we wrote it down. We talk about inspiration and like personal support. We talk about finances. And we talk about management. Those are the only three things that we talk. Everything else is uh, completely, um, you know, sp- division of labor. I don't even know what the product development schedule really looks like right now. So how does that work out for you guys? Well, you know, we, we do have a division of labor for sure. Uh, I think we've had more overlaps in the past. And it's as the ball of wax has gotten bigger and bigger, especially with AdSense flippers, we've dedicated more of our time to exclusive tasks. But I do want to put a caveat in that I think it's good to have an idea of what your partner is doing, um, at least so that if, knock on wood, he's out of commission for whatever reason, you know how to run that part of the business. Right. So at least, at least, at least you can fumble your way through it. Yeah, I mean, w- when you split up too much, too, when you're doing too much on the side, it starts to like you kind of lose some direction. So we make sure we bring it back together, especially when we're talking about strategy goals, and so that we kind of have a nice roadmap there. Otherwise, it's kind of like, what are you working on? And you forget. Um, so we've, we've we, gone that way. Yeah. We stay organized. We use Basecamp. Um, and we have different projects, and then we lay the projects out in terms of tasks. And Justin will have some tasks for one project, and I'll have some tasks for another project. And some tasks, like you guys said, we'll share. Uh, and then we have a monthly review session of all those projects and a yearly review session of all those projects. So I get the emails when he completes a task and he puts any notes in there or whatever, so I can just briefly look at it and then delete it. And if it's something that I need to follow up on, I can ask him about it. But normally it's just kind of you know do your thing. 
Right. So if I were to take a step back and say, you know, if people are thinking about getting into a partnership, this type of 50-50 deal, if you can find that right partner, for me, it's for us, it's been explosive and it, for a couple of reasons. One is that we're on the phone for a half an hour to an hour every day and that's inspiration and that's accountability, like that kind of mix. And then there's this incredible division of labor power that comes from, you know, you have two really smart people just jamming, um, you know, most of the times full time, except in Joe's case, of course, um, <laughs> on, <laughs> on, on, a, on a business. So, I mean, uh, so I, I guess I, I'd like to ask the question to sort of end the episode here is what do you guys see as like the biggest benefit to partnership um, that you've seen in the business for you guys? The biggest benefit to partnerships. Wow, that's a huge question. Uh, I would definitely say what kind of Ian was talking about before, whereas you don't both have to be 100% to get more of an output. I think that that is great. Like the multiple you get is is better with two people that are dedicated to the cause than just one. Um, and you can push and pull each other as time goes on. So that those two things for me are more important than bringing skills to the table or money to the table or anything else. Those kind of um, subjective and, and, you know, hard to grasp ideas are really the things that uh, are, make partnerships go. Let me jump in and underline I think that. That is so important what you just said there, is that it's not about the skills. It's not about the money. I, I really believe that, Joe, that it's fundamentally about that emotional connection and push and pull that fundamental relationship first it's a long haul and over that time you can build out skills it's a lot harder to build out that relationship we can yep. look back on, we can look back on our partnership right and and we do this every once in a while we reevaluate and say are we getting more than we would get on our own right are we getting more than 200 percent in in value creation and you know everything that we're doing and we can say you know over the long haul that's definitely true so if we were separate, we would overall be creating less value, be doing less cool stuff, and it just wouldn't work out as well. So we can confidently say that, and we reevaluate that every well, whenever it comes up. But um, yeah, that's something you have to look at. I think. What would you say, Ian? Are you happy? To, are you still happy to write write the fifty cents on the dollar off? I know you're pretty tight. I'm always happy. That's the one check I don't mind writing. Believe it or not. Yeah, I'm really happy with it, and. Um, I think that in in the long haul, it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, I think at, we're at a point in our lives right now where it makes a lot of sense, and uh, you know, I hope that continues for as long as possible because it's super fun. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us for this session of Bro Love on the LBP. I'm sure our audience always appreciates when you guys make the time to stop by. We'll see you guys over at the AdSense Flippers podcast, and in a couple weeks in Deval City. Yeah, thanks, Dan and Ian. We're looking forward to seeing you soon. All right, let's get moving on to the quick tips, tricks, and or funny joke section real quick, Ian. I got to say, I've been listening to the best of booty mashups. Louis Q and Alyssa Doucette put that stuff on my plate, and I'm just loving mashups. I don't know what it is about them. They keep me motivated. They're really high energy, and they're mix-ups of like pop songs that you know from your past. And there's something kind of like weirdly nostalgic about it when there's like a Lady Gaga song and a Bob Marley song mixed together. It's got a, it's got a weird nostalgic quality that I enjoy as well. 
The first time I started getting into the stuff was uh, a few years ago. I think it was like five years ago. It was a DJ Z trip. I don't know if you've checked him out yet, but he was into that stuff. I don't know if he still does it or not. But when I first heard it, it was it was like it was always presented to me as kind of a kitschy joke. You know, like look, it's Britney Spears and the Rolling Stones kind of thing. But now I, I'm actually seeing it as a real art form. Like the, the, when you combine these, like the kind of the ambiance of I, I may. This is real. Yeah, I'm not being overwrought here. There's an ambiance to something like a Bob Marley track. And then when you combine that with something that's modern, something new emerges that's really cool. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really hip to... To mashups. Now you've got something useful to share with the audience. <laughs> Please do that. <laughs> uh, it's only useful, actually, I think, if you're in North America. But uh, as a lot of you know, the iPhone is great at a lot of things. But one of the things that's really lagging is the Maps. I feel like the Maps is an application that worked like was pretty pretty uh, astonishing when the iPhone first came out, uh, and then now it's like. It's like the most outdated thing on the iPhone is the apps. And so what I did was uh, I downloaded for free the MapQuest app, and I found it to be extremely helpful. It's basically just like a GPS navigation that you'd find in a newer car. Uh, and the cool thing is that the lady talks to you. She's got a sweet accent. And if you're listening to Pandora or your iTunes, it will actually interrupt it uh, to give you directions. I have noticed that um, it's a it's a tad bit annoying, like turn left, it'll tell you like three times. I, I don't need that many times uh, for it to tell me, so I haven't figured out how to turn that down. But a uh, very helpful app for North America. I use it exclusively now instead of the iPhone default maps. So that is the MapQuest app, and it is free in the App Store. Oh, and it's amazing that MapQuest has done anything cool. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, mean. That's unfair. I mean, what have I done? I've done nothing. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna get off of this podcast, and I'm gonna go try it and do something significant. We hope you do too. We love your emails, comments, tweets, anything. Throw them our way. Thank you for joining us every Thursday morning. It's the best hour of our week. Uh, we'll see you guys next Thursday. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.